Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is The Daily D.C., Today is Super Tuesday. 14 states plus American Samoa are going to be voting in this just epic primary election. Voters are going to head to the polls and pick who they want to be the Democratic nominee to take on President Trump this fall. A third of the delegates are at stake today. I can't stress what a big day this is in determining not the outcome of this nomination season, but I think determining what the rest of this nomination season is going to look like. 1,344 delegates at stake tonight. And remember, you need 1,991 to win the nomination. It is by far the biggest day in the Democratic primary season, and I want to get a sense of what is happening on the ground with the campaigns and what the strategists across the remaining campaigns believe is the path forward for these candidates. I have two of the very best guests possible to discuss this with today. In a few minutes, I'm going to be talking to CNN senior Washington correspondent Jeff Zeleny. But first, I want to get to Arlette Sines. Arlette is one of the superstar, intrepid political correspondents uh, on the trail for us at CNN. She has been covering the Biden campaign before there ever was a thing called the Biden campaign. And uh, yesterday, on the eve of Super Tuesday, the former vice president got quite the sweep of endorsements from his former rivals, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and Beto O'Rourke. I'm looking for a president who will draw out what is best in each of us. We have found that leader in Vice President, soon-to-be President, Joe Biden. It is up to us, all of us, to put our country back together, to heal this country, and then to build something even greater. I believe we can do this together. And that is why today I am ending my campaign and endorsing Joe Biden for president. Ladies and gentlemen, Tomorrow, March 3rd, 2020, I will be casting my ballot for Joe Biden. Arlette, you are in Los Angeles where Vice President Biden is going to hold his Super Tuesday uh, post-election returns event. We'll see if it's a victory party or not. Uh, Can you give me a sense of what... It must be like inside the Biden campaign now from talking to sources, because I think his last 72 hours, I've been racking my brain to think in all the campaigns I've covered, if I can come up with a 72 hour period that has been as good for any single candidate, maybe after 2008 when Obama won South Carolina and then got the Ted Kennedy endorsement. But I don't even think that I think this is a whole different ballgame of just a string of nonstop good news days for Joe Biden. Uh, what what is it like covering a campaign that was sort of left for dead <laughs> on the side of the road? Yeah, I mean, it's very clear from Joe Biden himself all the way down to staffers that they are riding high right now that uh, those 
that trio of endorsements that came out yesterday from his former rivals uh, really solidified what they've always believed about Joe Biden, that people would be coalescing around his candidacy, even as others uh, thought that his campaign wasn't going to be able to move forward. And so they are incredibly happy. You saw that uh, from Biden on stage last night. Uh, He then stopped at a Whataburger with Beto O'Rourke, where he was having the time of his life. And you get this sense from the campaign that they've kind of gotten their mojo back a little bit and that they're hoping that this is going to continue on and on uh, through the rest of the contest. Arlette, can you give me a sense? So I I will say, I would say starting in October is when I started hearing repeatedly from Biden advisors uh, the path that they thought they had to the nomination. And they thought it was a narrow one, but they they described actually what, what's happening right now. And by the way, we have no idea if Joe Biden's going to be the nominee. He's got a lot right. to prove today and in the contest ahead. I'm not suggesting that at all. But I am amazed. And I can't tell if it's because they were so smart or they were lucky or a combination of both. <laughs> but when they said they would tell us, guys, uh, he's not going to do so well in Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, you you got to wait until South Carolina. It's really, And I was like, this is crazy. I've never heard of a candidate waiting to the fourth contest to prove some viability in the thing. He's. I was like, this does not seem – This it seemed to me like a strategy of necessity, which maybe it was. But it actually – it, it seems to be paying off right now for them, maybe in ways that they didn't even expect. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that – this, I think, has gone better than they had anticipated and planned for. But they had always, from the very beginning, uh, suggested that South Carolina would be their springboard. And the former vice president to this point has been able uh, to sustain and endure uh, some of the press that came along after his really poor finishes in Iowa, New Hampshire, and then a loss in in Nevada, though he did improve a little bit. But he was able to stay and continue fighting and continue sticking to his message because he believed that South Carolina was where this was all going to turn around. And as of right now, it does look like there is a possibility for that to happen. Now, the big question right now is he's getting the, the moderate's support. They're starting to coalesce around him, at least with Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and Beto O'Rourke. And they may be telling their supporters to, hey, go out and vote for Joe Biden. But we don't know if that's actually going to translate into results at the ballot box today. And I think that's the big test and the big question for him is, can he actually turn this 72 hours of positive press, uh, an influx of endorsements, an influx of cash? Can he actually turn that into results? Yeah, because I I think with all the news uh, that's out there, we forget Bernie Sanders, I, I mean, I think he has spent just so much more on the Super Tuesday states than Joe Biden has on the uh-huh. ad. He has more infrastructure on the ground in these states. He's he's uh, visited these states um, more often. Um, it's not as if uh, there wasn't an opponent building something real, uh, never mind the overwhelming advertising that Michael Bloomberg has had on the air in these Super Tuesday states. How does the Biden campaign assess its competition tonight? Well, I think that they certainly are aware. I've spoken to Joe Biden about this uh, myself, where he has acknowledged that he's being outspent and outmanned on the ground here. But they ultimately believe they're looking at Michael Bloomberg and they've pointed to that debate in Nevada uh, as being one of the moments that kind of highlighted some of the flaws in Michael Bloomberg's candidacy. And they think that that offered an opportunity and paved the way a little bit for some of this turnaround to happen for Joe Biden. And for Bernie Sanders, I remember talking to Joe Biden even before he entered the race. And Biden told us that he did not think the Democratic Party went is 
is as far left as Bernie Sanders. And I think right now, what you're kind of seeing with this moderate support that's coming towards him is that Joe Biden could at some point maybe be right. I think that's what he's hoping is that there will be more moderates in the ultimate Democratic primary voting block uh, who could come his ways. But I think that they are very aware that Bernie Sanders is the delegate leader right now. He's going to rack up a lot of delegates. And right now what they really are trying to do is blunt a little bit of his momentum and also keep that delegate difference down between the two of them. I don't know if it's the incident you're talking about, but I clearly remember you having that interchange with the former vice president <laughs> at the uh, Hilton Hotel in Washington, the yeah. Hinkley Hilton we refer to. Uh, you were All, standing also- there. Also on on train tracks in Philadelphia once. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But I clearly remember him telling you he just firmly believed that the party did not move as far left as uh, AOC or Bernie Sanders or the conversation about where the party was um, might suggest. Uh, Arlette, I can't thank you enough for your incredible reporting. Keep up the tremendous job and uh, we'll be tracking your reports all night long. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Now, Jeff Zeleny, you just heard uh, Arlette's assessment of, of where things stand. Uh, if, if you are the Bernie Sanders campaign, are you genuinely worried about the momentum that Arlette was just talking about in the Biden campaign? Or do you believe uh, you have the fundamentals in place that still have a very good night tonight? You're generally surprised. And this is the first time I can think during this campaign where the Bernie Sanders uh, campaign apparatus has admitted being surprised. And uh, Fash Shakira, the campaign manager, told reporters, he said, look, they you know, knew there would be a coalescing at some point. They did not think it would happen really in a span of, of less than 24 hours. Lightning speed. For sure. It's something we've never seen before. Uh, and it, I think it is one um, – it was driven by uh, self-ambition and self-interest in some respects. But it was also driven by this uh, – the fact remains that Donald Trump remains – the center of this race on the Democratic side as well. We can't say it enough. This is not an open seat. This race could be entirely different if it was an open seat. Everyone is comparing everything to President Trump. And I think that sort of brought this together. But the Sanders campaign, look, they have so many advantages going into tonight, mathematically speaking, in California. And I would caution everyone, as you're watching returns come in tonight, this is not an election night per se. This is an election week, perhaps. California historically takes forever to count delegates. And they have 415 delegates at stake tonight. We are not going to know the complete picture of the delegate totals in California. And I think that is fine. We have gotten ourselves kind of tied up. Oh, we must know the results. We're in like, you know, such this win by the moment. We need information. Guys, it's going to take a while. So just chill. And this (laughs) is why. Pledge delegates, as you said, 415. Think of tonight as a series of local elections in 14 states and American Samoa across the country because delegates, the majority of delegates are awarded by congressional district or in Texas state Senate district. Um, About a third or uh, 40 percent are awarded based on statewide results, but 60 percent or almost two thirds are awarded based on these congressional districts. That's why it takes a while. So this is going to be a mathematical exercise as the 2008 campaign was in 2016 to some degree. So just sit back and watch what happens. But you might want to get out your uh, calculator because that's what this race is becoming. You know, I think you make such a good point, Jeff. I, I was thinking about this, this this morning as I was sort of preparing my head for tonight's coverage. And I do think we have it, – it's funny. The Donald Trump thing you're saying, the Donald Trump factor in this race, 
It's something we've said every single day. I mean, it's been like the dominant theme of the entire campaign season. Every Democratic voter we've spoken to across all the states we've been in, uh, nothing is as important to them as finding a way to defeat Donald Trump. The last minute deciding in this election was because people just didn't know. Democrats were like, I don't know which one can beat Donald Trump, but it has all been about defeating Donald Trump. And for the majority of this campaign season, um, that has been Joe Biden's strongest suit. And so I wonder now it faltered a little bit after his poor performances, for sure. his electability score and stuff uh, definitely took a hit. But it has been his strongest suit for so long. And it was not Bernie Sanders strongest suit for so long. So I wonder if we should be a little less surprised than we are, perhaps, that Biden has been able to revive himself as quickly as possible. And again, have no idea if he'll be the nominee. That's not what I'm suggesting. Right. I'm just saying he is in a moment of revival. And I wonder if we discounted just how strong a hand that was for him, that he was seen by so many Democrats as the one with the best chance to defeat Donald Trump. Sure, I think that's right. I mean, this is essentially reverting back to the fact he should have been the front runner, but he failed miserably, uh, was not good in debates, and obviously was not good in Iowa or New Hampshire. So in a second, um, in a sense, he's getting a lifeline. He got a lifeline from South Carolina in a big way. Now let's see what he does with it. Yeah, now he has to prove that he was worth that He absolutely does. Has he improved as a candidate? Probably not. Uh, But do people have just a sense of that he is the one? Sure. So a lot of Democrats I'm talking to, they always like him. That is the one thing that he is or one of the things he's had going for him. People genuinely have affection for him. Not many people in the party uh, dislike him, perhaps some on the left. But so he had that going for him. But the question is now they're taking a leap of faith. They're like, gosh, I mean, like this is actually happening. But one factor we should definitely keep in mind, there are still four candidates in this race. Elizabeth Warren also will play a factor in California. Uh, She's been organizing there a ton. Um, She'll play a factor in Massachusetts as well. She will. And she has actually two home states tonight, Oklahoma, where she's actually from, her native state, and also Massachusetts. We'll probably do better in Massachusetts, but that is something we're keeping an eye on. And the power of endorsements is always... uh, sounds much better than they actually are. So I think we should also uh, put a little bit of a pause. I think the biggest factor is not the endorsement of Joe Biden. It's the fact that they got out of the race. Correct. I mean, that is much more important. I totally agree. It has nothing to do with Buttigieg or Klobuchar got out of the race because they didn't have many supporters anymore. So it's not like their supporters have somewhere to go. I mean, if they had a lot of supporters, they would be in the race still. So, I mean, that I totally agree with that. Although I think Beto O'Rourke could help Joe Biden in Texas. Texas, He does have a legitimate following. We'll see. And that tonight is Joe Biden a hope. Yeah. He thinks that he he's worried about California. And keep one other number in mind tonight, folks, 15 percent. If Joe Biden is not at 15 percent in these uh, districts, he will not win delegates. So it's imperative for him. So that's another reason that uh, Klobuchar and uh, Buttigieg getting out may help him get to 15 percent. To your point about Biden's likability, um, you know, I thought that was a consistent message across all three of them last night when they were giving their endorsement speeches, uh, this notion of decency, and empathy and returning a decency to the Oval Office, uh, that was consistent across the board where they each hammered that. I thought that was uh, rather noteworthy. The other person that is on the ballot today is Michael Bloomberg. And we are going to see uh, his first test after half a billion dollar investment into this project. Uh, we are, on TV and radio alone. On TV and radio alone. Uh, we are right. Never mind all the staff he has. And yeah, we are going to see if this investment um earns him a a spot to stay in this race for the long haul or not. And I think um, this Bloomberg factor is going to be fascinating tonight. To your point about the 15%, I think you're going to look in a lot of places and see 
wait a second, Bloomberg did get to 15 percent. Joe Biden, let's say, just got to 14 percent. Did he somehow have Joe Biden potential voters there? And does the moderate lane not fully coalesce when the vote returns come in tonight and actually is still somewhat split? Uh, Michael Bloomberg was actually asked about this on the campaign trail in Florida today. Uh, Here's what he had to say. The other moderates in the race have dropped out to clear a path through Joe Biden. Yes, and if Joe dropped out, he would. they would take away. Joe's taking votes away from me. And right. I, I think that is true. But, and I, but, you're, but you're also taking votes away from Joe Biden. Well, so, it goes so, in both so, directions. So, so have you asked Joe whether he's going to drop out? I cover you. <laughs> when, you ask him that, when you ask him that, then you can call me. I'll take Miss you. But, but are you feeling any pressure today going into Super Tuesday to drop out of this race? Given it's the same calls? question he but, just... But you didn't really answer it, sir. You've got you to ask the only pressure. I no intention of dropping out. We're in it to win it. And I don't understand why. Jeff, uh, the former mayor seemed to have some good humor there about him, but clearly was making a point. And he's not wrong. It is a two way street. They are potentially taking voters from each other. Sure. But I mean, I think the thing here is that he has not been in the race yet. I mean, it's Michael Bloomberg's fault that he is just joining this race already in progress. So it's kind of hard to say that Joe Biden is taking votes away from him. Uh, But look, mathematically speaking, they both have to earn them. The question for uh, Mayor Bloomberg is, yes, he's in it to win it. He says, yes, he's not dropping out. That always is the way. We will see. The reality is his advisors and he uh, know that he must bring it tonight. There has to be a return of, um, on investment. He campaigned aggressively uh, through the early vote and other things. Let's see um, what people actually think of him. I and mean, there's no question that the Biden um, – surge or bounce uh, will eat into Michael Bloomberg's support because he was always the plan B. He was always the insurance policy. If Joe Biden crumbles, well, now that's not happening. So the Bloomberg campaign for all of their data, the best talent and data money could buy, they could not have predicted the moment that Super Tuesday is right now, that Joe Biden would be coming into this day with a head of steam and consolidating support. So this is something that could not have been in their uh, plan. So we will see what he does, but he does not want uh, at the end of the day to uh, help elect Bernie Sanders. And that is in his mind. The other thing that they couldn't predict, which is what Arlette reported on that the Biden campaign said is when they knew they really might have a shot at this long shot plan for revival is his debate performance. I mean, that Michael Bloomberg's plan, you can't put into data, what if he has a disastrous debate, initial debate performance after only being a TV ad for voters? And when he met the reality on the debate stage, it it hurt him. There is no doubt about it. And maybe the second debate was a little bit better. But a lot of voters who were hunting for a plan B didn't all of a sudden think uh, that he was a potential plan B, uh, at least according to the polls. We'll see if that plays out uh, now that he's actually on the ballot. And I agree with you, Jeff. Um, no candidate is uh, dropping out. They're all in it to win it right up until the moment that they're dropping out because there's no longer uh, a viable path. Jeff Zeleny, happy Super Tuesday to you. Thank you so much for being here. Really what a great day. It. They call it super for a reason. It's awesome. <laughs> And a special thanks to our listeners as well. Remember, we publish a new episode every weeknight, so please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. While you're there, please consider leaving a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. And if you want to tweet about this podcast, please do so using the hashtag TheDailyDC. We'll see you tomorrow. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.